testing, one, two. Testing, we probably don't need the mic, but since we are uh, doing recordings of all the workshops, so we'll use the mic for that sake. It is so awesome to be together. Thank you. Uh, we're going to pray, and then you're going to meet, oh, five, six of the most amazing people that I get to deal with and uh, relate to on an ongoing basis. We have a very, very precious leadership team, and uh, these are individuals that are engaged in, in all kinds of wonderful things in different parts of the world. So uh, we're, we're going to tag team. Uh, pretty much everything we do is as a team. Uh, we end up doing a lot of stuff together. Even though we don't live in the same area, we, we have the joy of doing a lot of things together. So let's pray, and then I'm going to introduce the first one. And then what we're going to try to do is we'll try to be quick enough and efficient enough. Right, team? Hallelujah. We're going to be efficient, and um, then we'll go into Q&A and, and discussion, really, and talk about anything and everything you would enjoy asking about and uh we probably won't have the answers, but we'll write them down and get back to you. <laughs> no, Raul always has the answers. Raul, right? <laughs> Father, we are um, incredibly grateful. What a week. What a, what a precious place. What a luxurious environment. Thank you for gifting us this precious time together. And Lord, the environment's wonderful and the logistics and the infrastructure is beautiful, but Lord, we get to hang out together as a community, as a family, as a, as a tribe, as people that you placed in a family to glorify your name together. Lord, we ask that this time uh, right now would be a continuation of what you've been speaking to each one of us. Uh, Lord, you've been transforming and changing and uh, renewing our minds and encouraging our, our hearts. Lord, thank you. May this time be that and continue to speak to us. Uh, Lord, I ask that the gifts and the callings and the vocations, the careers, the, the skill sets that are in this room awaken all of us, Lord, and uh, give us new ways and dreams and visions of ways we can uh, glorify your name and extend and establish and invite your kingdom into our lives and through our lives into the places where we serve. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for Raul, for Ali, for Sue, for Charles, for Joe. Lord, thank you for this incredible team and this wonderful time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, and Christian, Christian is in the green shirt back there. Uh, if you need anything, he's here to help us as well, and he's got materials for you that uh, might have been on your uh, chair. There's a PowerPoint presentation, which is imperfect in its printing, but uh, a few people went through some, some incredible effort to get it to you. But then there are three, uh, two loose pages with three sides. Those are the actual handout materials, okay? And we'll talk about them at the end. So without further delay, the amazing Sue Spousta that makes Larry look great all the time. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, thank you guys. Well, it's a joy to be here with you this morning. And, and in case you don't know, my name is Sue Spousta, and um, I coordinate affinity networks for Foursquare for the national office. And uh, BAM is one of the affinity networks. 
But in this case, this particular network had been going on for a couple of years before I came into the position of creating a whole bunch of other networks. And, uh, and so Jonathan really is the uh, facilitator of this. And I kind of work as a little bit of a liaison between uh, business's mission and our national church office. And uh, so if they need anything, um, setting up workshops, that sort of thing, this is what I do. So uh, not much for this particular workshop. But the thing that I do get the joy of uh, participating in is um, when uh, a few years ago I went back to graduate school as a very, very old lady. And, <laughs> and I took a theology of work class. And uh, Allie, uh, one of our other uh, BAM network members, happened to uh, be living close to me. And we were having dinner, my husband and I, with her husband and uh, her. And uh, she said, you know, you need to come to one of our business's mission calls and meet these people because this is what theology of work really is all about. So I want you to know that today, as we talk about business's mission, and we are definitely going to describe that for you and give you a definition for it in case you're kind of wondering what in the heck that is, um, we call it BAM for short. So whenever we say BAM, it's business as mission. Uh, but uh, it really is based in a really deep theology of work. And by that, I mean that it is the belief that every single Christ follower has a calling, or as the Greek word would, vocar would insist, that our vocation is a calling. And so every single Christ follower has a calling and a vocation. And business is a way to frame that and release that. And so Jonathan, how do I switch the slide here? Okay, great, great. So um, the BAM definition is, uh, and this was written by Mads Toomhag, who is an international business as mission leader. And he says, business as mission is about real, viable, sustainable, and profitable businesses with a kingdom of God purpose, perspective, and impact, leading to the transformation of people and societies spiritually, economically, and socially to the greater glory of God. And I think if we had time, we could take each and every word and for sure each and every sentence and tear that apart and expand on it. And um, our team will be doing a lot of that in just a very, very few minutes. Uh, but I do want you to notice here that it's all about the kingdom. And when we say business as mission, that word as is incredibly important. So it's not business for mission or business to mission. It is business as mission. And that's because we believe that while uh, business's mission often opens the doors to foreign countries, uh, especially those with, uh, with limited or there are no access countries, Sometimes businesses can get in that would, you know, it just opens all kinds of doors uh, for spreading the gospel. But this is really business as mission, which means that the business itself, its products and its services are part of kingdom work. And so that's what we believe. So it's like what, if you're serving coffee to somebody at your coffee shop, you are ministering to them in the name of Jesus. 
So that it's that intentional view of business as being something that is our mission. So while it opens doors to missions, it is a mission in itself and part of the greater mission of the kingdom of God. So God purpose, perspective, and impact, and that leads to the transformation of people, societies, uh, economically, spiritually, and socially, and some would add uh, environmentally. And so this is what BAM does. It transforms the world and brings the whole gospel, and we've talked about that a lot at convention in our sessions this week, that it's the whole gospel that we're taking. So it's the gospel that ministers to the physical and the spiritual needs of people and places. Whoops. Jonathan, help me out here. How did you do that? It's a good thing I only have two slides to do. So. <laughs> okay. All righty. <laughs> so these are, uh, this uh, little chart here kind of describes some of the difference that BAM can make in our world. And um, if we started with the green circle, uh, business's mission itself, and then moved to the right, um, revenue is a really important thing. And when I say revenue, this is, uh, it's not wealth accumulation for the sake of wealth accumulation, but it's creating a sustainable revenue that helps reach the people that need it most. So this is really about, this is about sharing those benefits of uh, actually being a sustainable company that makes money. So uh, we are definitely talking about business here in a profitable manner, okay? All righty, and then, well, who wants the other kind, right? <laughs> the unprofitable kind we don't want. Okay, so, <laughs> and then BAM opens the doors for tent making, and a, a lot of you are aware of what this is, but especially in those, uh, you know, uh, lower accessible, uh, our uh, less accessible countries and nations, uh, tent making is, uh, has become a really, really viable way to take the gospel into areas that otherwise missionaries could not go. Uh, it also opens the doors in the marketplace. It opens, an opens doors for employees to share their faith, um, to create products that serve people, whether that's clean water or a manufactured product. And so there are all kinds of ways. And I like to really think about this uh, as marketplace also being community. And um, BAM, like no other, opens doors to actually collaborate with community organizations. And so when businesses are established in a city and they're doing well, they have a voice with the city council. They have a voice with the educational systems and the different, uh, the different organizations that actually serve the city. So doors are open there as well. There's uh, vocational stewardship. And um, I think we heard about this uh, on the very first night when Glenn invited his doctor, who I cannot remember her name, but the surgeon that operated on him last year when he was so sick. And what did she say? She, what she does is ministry for her. It is kingdom business that she's doing. And so this is the kind of vocational stewardship that BAM really makes a difference for people because it lets them know that what they are doing counts it matters, it's important. Uh, it's part of, of uh, lifting up Jesus in the area that they are in and with the, in the relationships that they are in. 
And then that brings us back to BAM. And um, I want to say just once again, such an incredible thank you to this particular network, Jonathan and Raul and, and uh, Allie and Charles and all the people that couldn't be here with us today that make up this team to keep the vision going. And they are going to do a great job of explaining everything to you in detail. <laughs> and they know how to switch the slides, too. So we're good. <laughs> And Raul's up. How, how is it done, though? <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Okay. Okay, good. The good morning. My name is Raul Irigoyen. I'm the only non-U.S. in this crowd, most likely. And I'm from Pan... Oh, there you go. He's a Dominican guy. This guy's of an American as well. Okay. Uh, as I said, I'm Panamanian. I was a pastor for 23 years. I am uh, what you would call a bivocational pastor, tent making. That's what I, I apply. I did that for 23 years myself. I uh, was a college professor for about six years. I had my own business for about 11 years. And also worked for the U.S. Army as chief engineer in the Army Corps of Engineers in Panama. So all that happened within a short time. Um, I'm really Dorian Gray's version in Panama. Uh, <laughs> This particular quote from Martin Luther actually reflects on what the Bible says, that everything we do by word or deed should reflect upon the glory of God, should be done as to the Lord. So that means whatever we are, we are actually serving God. Uh, this dichotomy we have made up of our lives, that that's really not makes, doesn't hold much water in terms of the gospel and the Lord. But still, what he's saying, though, is that as, as a shoemaker, and uh, we could... Uh, paraphrase that today to say something like, uh, when you are in the marketplace doing what you do for a living, it's, uh, you should not rely on just simply slipping Bible verses, but actually you should do your things with excellence so that you can, you can communicate to others, to the community, to the people you serve, that you do it with love, that you're conveying something just beyond a product. Uh, I, I, as when I, was, I had my own business, uh, the very interesting thing is I was able to capture a niche in the market of what I was doing just because of service. Anybody could do what I was doing, but I added a special thing extra. I, I actually cared for people. And one of my clients, which was an architect, uh, uh, he, he did not become a Christian that I know of at the, at the end, but he, every time he had a problem, he would call me on the phone. He said, Raul, would you pray for me? Because I had preached the gospel to him, I shared with him, I prayed with him in his office. He would actually call me, not, not to do business, but can you pray for me? That was absolutely incredible. But that's important. We need to know that, that wherever we go, we have a role to play as a minister. So we deploy hundreds, thousands of people on Monday from the church to the marketplace. So it's up to all of you who are pastors to make sure that you understand that and you send them every week to do that. Because in business, when we are in the marketplace, actually we have access to all kinds of networks and relationships. Some people don't realize that. I was a tent maker, but I also was uh, engaged in marketplace ministry. Because I not only earned my living in order to minister, but while I was earning my living, I was connecting with people that would have never made it to church unless they become disciples of Christ first. <laughs> and, and in business, you do have access to vendors, co-workers, associates, owners, investors, suppliers, and customers. 
And if you relate to them well, potentially to their families and to their spheres of influence. It's incredible the amount of connections, possibilities that you have through business. But they all go through relationships. You relate to people. I like, I like businesses that treat their customers as uh, somebody special. If they're trying to sell you something, you get that feeling pretty quick. But if they want a return customer, you can also catch that too. And the idea as a business person was always to do that. I created relationship with my customers, and they were always repeat customers. When they come back for more, you got it. And if they come back enough, you have a relationship. And if you have a relationship, you can always share the gospel. True, not like from a pulpit perspective, like in a pastor, you know, you preach to the, to the, uh, to the people in the pews, but not, not in the marketplace, it doesn't work that way. But there's all kinds of ways. I was able to pray for the sick, pray for the oppressed, pray for people whose children were trying to commit suicide, business people. But they wouldn't go to church. But they knew me. I was so-and-so, just a regular Joe Doe in their world. Is world secular, right? Well, really, it's not. Because everything to us as Christians should be sacred. There's no divide. This is something that, uh, this sort of dichotomy was created in the, uh, after the church became structural, very much after the fourth century. Uh, it starts developing over the centuries. And we grasp onto it. And, and uh, of course, it feels good to be on the clergy side of it. You know, people actually look at you, and, and sometimes in Panama, with a Catholic background, uh, you know, people say, oh, you're closer to God. Okay, that's, that speaks of two nonsenses right now. One, the person that says it is lost somewhere in limbo. They think you're actually closer to God. But the fact that you affirmed it also means you're lost too. <laughs> because it, with God, there's only, this is like a, like a binary relationship. You either are saved or you are not saved. You are dead or you're alive, period. Now, you may have a role, a ministry, a calling, but not from a special platform. You are the same. You're saved. You're a son or daughter of Christ. That's all, okay? But then you can serve God in different, different ways. So let's, let's start moving away from this sacred, secular divide. Let's empower and, and share with our folks in churches in, in whichever way capacity you can do that, that they are actually ministers, missionaries sent to the marketplace every day. And here we have this. We never teach this, by the way, but it's implied in the way we behave and act on a daily basis and in ministry. We tend to believe, really, in the minds of every believer in your church, unless you teach them otherwise, they tend to believe that the best uh, professions, the best roles they can ever play is to become clergy. And I've seen in, in my country and around the world, we've seen people that they leave their businesses behind because they feel a calling to God. I never left my business behind because my business started being my ministry. And I, I stretched my ministry into other areas that the Lord led me to. And there, uh, there's many more people today doing that as well. In fact, the millennials are our case in point. Millennials don't ask whether I should leave my job or my profession or my business to do ministry. They ask a different question, which is weird for many of us. Why cannot I do both? 
because to them it makes sense. To us, it may not. To them, it is pretty good. But in the past, this was taught, and it's still taught by example that this is the very important positions, missionaries, pastors, these people in the clergy. And then we have the helping professions, people in organizations that, uh, that help the people, the poor, uh, you know, sex traffic, all that stuff. Those people are second in priority, and at the bottom of the pile, for whatever reason, are those that serve mammon. <laughs> you know, uh, except, except, except that this bottom of the pile reverses a little bit when it's offering time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, like a way of salvation. If you actually give good offerings, then being a business is not that bad. But, no, we have to change that. Because in reality, most of our people, whether we like it or not, are here. Very few people actually are in clergy. Very few people are in helping professions. There's a lot of numbers, but not that many, proportionally speaking. But in churches, we have hundreds and thousands of people here. If we teach them, disciple them, empower them, and send them, the impact is going to be huge. And Ali's here, or is it you, Ali, or? Yeah, to share it once again. Raul, thank you. Raul is, uh, these, this is just such an amazing team. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's clap and thank the Lord for what we've heard so far. Um, I want to emphasize this, this and share about this one slide. Uh, and if I could start with, if, with your mind, just seeing a cruise ship. You know, how many want to go on a cruise? We love cruises. You know, sign me up. We, all, we, we need one next week. Uh, kind of need a post-connection cruise, right? But if you could think of, sometimes we uh, have this picture of the church more as a cruise ship, and I would like to challenge that. Instead of a place to go to be well-fed and enjoy yourself, think of it as an aircraft carrier. So if you actually think of the church as an aircraft carrier, a, pl a place where disciples are launched from, they are connected, they are strengthened, they are prepared, they come back on a regular basis to continue that process of strengthening and sending. But if we take that picture in our mind and use this, all we're talking about in this conversation of the marketplace and many other areas, and we grab on to the seven, you, you guys have probably heard there's books out, uh, YWAM and uh, some other organizations use the seven spheres of influence. So if you think of the church as a launching pad of disciples into education, into media, into arts, into business, into family, government, religion, and sports, then we start seeing a picture of actual disciples of Christ being sent into different and the most varied and the most creative spheres of influence in a city. And when we talk about business, what this helps with is we're actually illustrating the breaking down of a divide, like Raul said, right? That wall does not exist. Therefore, we can be, we ought to be, we hopefully are sending out the best teachers in town are coming out of your church are coming out of the Foursquare Church. The best educators, the best people, the best artists in town are being sent out from church as disciples to influence the arts, media, government. The best city council men and women in the city are coming out of church, are sent 
with to be salt, to be light, with the principles of the word of God, of the kingdom, to transform areas of government. And business here represents the marketplace. So in our vocations, in our jobs, the church is actually sending disciples into the most varied, employed, self-employed, all of that, the most varied and creative places. And we're hopefully sending disciples that are innovative, they're creative. BAM is an example. And then I would just add this one line below it. As we think of cities and, and how we see our cities is a whole wonderful, wonderful conversation. And Foursquare has, has a global committee, a committee of the Global Council that focuses on how we see cities. And it's kind of like historically you see uh, two extremes. And that and extremes and, and uh, uh, dichotomies help me, or taxonomies I should say, help me to think through where I'm at. So historically we see some people in the church of, with more of a monastic approach. So let's leave the city, let's leave the marketplace, let's leave all these worldly and sinful environments and let's isolate ourselves in a monastic approach to serve God and to be holy versus you also have an extreme of dominion. So let's just go in and dominate and we're going we're gonna to show them, we're going to give them the kingdom and we're going to dominate the environment. And I would propose to you that usually the kingdom way is somewhere in the middle and it's a pathway of service. And we heard that so well yesterday from Phil out of Atlanta. As we serve and we give our lives and we really do act as agents of transformation and ambassadors, we have amazing opportunities open to us. So that's just an attempt to show the kingdom. We are in the mission of God. We are in the church. Most of us lead ch church or churches. And we are actually hopefully launching pads for transformative disciples into the most varied areas of life. And with that, Allie, would you come take it away? Thanks, Jonathan. So I am a business owner. I've owned a business for 30 years in Portland, Oregon. And I'm also on the board of directors of the Foursquare Church. And I have the privilege of working with this awesome group that we started about, I think it was about six years ago. And it's just grown and um, we've added so many people to the network and uh, have had a lot of opportunity to influence the conversation within the Foursquare Church. So it's been super exciting. So the idea is that when you are living into your God-given purpose, that when you go to work, you're going on purpose. It's very purpose-driven, and that you take the light with you. And so, uh, and it's already been covered here quite a bit, but the idea, I mean, for anybody that's in your church, if they have a job outside of the church, it's because God put them there. They are there on purpose, and that is the open door. And that slide before that had, um, that Raul covered that talked about business leads to relationships and relationships is where discipleship starts because discipleship starts even before people come to Christ. It's as they are hearing the gospel um, and, see and witnessing the gospel. A lot of times we think of witness as something that is um, exclusively verbal, uh, but I would say that for my employees who are believers, their greatest impact in my business has been because of the way that they have conducted themselves with excellence. And they have been models of employees. 
um, and showing care to people. Um, this awesome quote from Abraham Kuyper, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. And that includes the marketplace. You know, and when you study through history and you look at where the gospel has gone, those are the exact same places where you have the greatest human flourishing because of economic vitality. And those are always paired together. And so uh, the gospel isn't just about freeing human hearts. It's actually about freeing economies. Okay, so this is a really cool opportunity that has just come to us within the last year or so. And it has to do with tent making in closed countries. And so there are uh, job openings in places like Saudi Arabia and Iran and countries like that that you could not go into as a missionary, as a pastor, as any sort of religious worker. But if you're a doctor or if you have great analytical skills or you're um, an awesome accountant, there are job opportunities. And so these are roles where you they're fairly high paying in many cases. I mean, you look at the salaries here. Uh, these aren't, this isn't chump change. This is pretty decent living. Um, and a lot of them cover moving expenses as well as um, some living expenses. And so depending on the place of opportunity. But they're looking for Western expertise. And so if you have people in your uh, in your field of influence that have skills and you want to go check out, there's um, the email there, but how do they get in touch with the full list? Oh, one of the handouts. Awesome. Yeah, one of your handouts gives more information. Love you to check that out. So many good opportunities. Okay, this is kind of a new thing too just in the last few decades and it's really taken off. This idea that Raul talked about with the architect client of his who wanted prayer. A lot of people who don't know Christ still want heaven in their lives. And so chaplains can provide that. And workplace chaplains, I don't know if you guys have been through the exhibit area. There is a booth for marketplace chaplaincy. And that's just one of the organizations, but they train marketplace chaplains. Um, and sometimes these people are paid by employers. Other times they can train a person who uh, works in a place of employment and maybe their, their company won't pay for it, but they can themselves go through the training program so that they can act as an unofficial chaplain within their workplace. Um, I just want to give you just a quick little anecdote just about my own company. I have this beautiful manager who works for me, and she's worked for me for years, and she's an incredible Christian. And she is like a, like a mother hen to her staff. And one of her team members who's been with us for years um, just went through something pretty horrendous. And she has just, they spent time in prayer they have actually had seasons of prayer and fasting in her department, praying over the needs um, of her coworkers. And so those are the types of things that, um, whether or not you are an official chaplain, but those are the types of things that you can engage in. But I would love for you to check out uh, Marketplace Chaplaincy. I have a, a really good friend. He works for a Fortune 100 company out of Florida. They're publicly traded. And the first day on the job, he went into the COO's office and the COO said, how can I pray for you? And he said, 
tell me about how you, um, you know, how you're structured here and um, uh, the types of ways that you interact. And they said, well, all of the executive team are believers and we really rely on God to lead this country company. And they, you know, do over a billion dollars a year in revenue. And so that's pretty extraordinary to see that. Okay, so lastly, this is really cool too. This is something that's just happened in the last probably three years, um, instigated really with by Jonathan. Um, I don't know why he's not sharing this slide. Um, <laughs> but these are two programs, Urban Edge and the Refugee Incubator, that are training uh, youth in entrepreneurship. And I think we're in our fourth or fifth cohort right now. These are small groups of um, young people who want to be entrepreneurial, who want to be on mission, who can go through um, the incubator and then, or the, the Urban Edge training, and then the Refugee Incubator as well, is these are opportunities for people that are in refugee camps because oftentimes economic um, situation is really dire. Like they don't have the opportunity to get regular jobs. A lot of them don't have the paperwork or the proper credentials to be able to do things. And so the Refugee Incubator is providing with them some opportunities to actually have like these really micro businesses and they can actually sustain themselves and support their families. And you're gonna hear a little bit more about that. All right, so is it um, Joe? Oh, Charles, hey Charles. So my name is Charles Balin. I've been doing business as a mission and tent making since 1980, before we knew it was a thing. Um, I always wanted to be a missionary, but I couldn't. I had to work in business, and it was really a bummer. So I started a couple of churches and kept leading people to Jesus, wishing I was a missionary in other countries. But And realized after about 10 or 15 years, hey, I might actually be being a missionary. But I'm going to talk to you about some practical things that are happening in the Foursquare BAM network. Uh, I'm a certified beekeeper. If you want to uh, say certified, it's a a way of getting a license and trained to keep bees. And beekeeping is actually a very easy, uh, environmentally sound, uh, sustainable, and doable almost everywhere on the globe other than the Arctic and Antarctic. Uh, beekeeping is a great way to earn uh, money and to support your family and to uh, help uh, your community and citizens. And as you can see, you know the, the products that they create, uh, the stewardship that's in there, income producing, Profits can support churches. We have a church in Bosnia and Herzegovina who is working on creating 50 uh, beehives to support not only the church, but also many of the families in the church. The unemployment rate is extremely high in this nation, and yet 50 beehives can support about five families plus a church, the products. So we are working on issues like this uh, to help bring real answers, even helping these people who hadn't figured out what kind of business they could do and this business is a way that will help support them. And I want to call Joe up here. Joe's a new beekeeper, and I just want him to share with you what he's discovered in his first year in beekeeping. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so new beekeeper, right? <laughs> How many That's stings me. I have, I have zero. No stings yet. Really no stings yet. <laughs> me, me or my family. So, yeah, you get one hive, and it's like 20,000 bees in there. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, I, I think just the the produce of one hive is like sixty to eighty pounds of honey in one year, and uh, and you can think about you know what that would mean to um, certainly a micro business startup uh, opportunity. Um, the learning curve isn't very steep. You know what I mean? I mean you you check your hives four or five times a year, uh, maybe more than that if you're just curious. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I've I'm been involved with the BAM conversation since we started uh, in, in some fashion and uh, have some relationships with people here in the States. Uh, one of them is called Nature Nates. It's a honey company out of uh, Texas. Uh, they supply to, um, you know, Walmart, Trader Joe's, Sam's Club. So most, most of the honey that we would purchase that are white labeled um, uh, are processed through his bottling plant. He has 100,000 hives in Zambia right now that they have started, uh, you know, micro-enterprise businesses through there to really, um, really boost the employment rate of a nation. So it's amazing how, you know, something that, that simple can have that kind of maximum impact. So that was really one of the reasons why I got started uh, beekeeping, because I was just fascinated by that work. Um, in addition, I had a conversation with uh, one of our missionaries, Bill Kieselhorst, um, some of you might know him, but he's missionary to Africa for a number of years. He introduced me to my mentor in beekeeping, a fellow named Rick, um, who had several uh, failed business attempts uh, of his own um, in other areas, and we just got to talking about beekeeping. And you would have thought, you know, we were talking about heaven when we're talking about beekeeping. I mean, this guy, he's been doing it for 40 years and is absolutely brilliant in it. But just really, um, just kind of opened my eyes to on-ramps for missions that, that you never know what people have passions for and how deep they run. And he is so excited about just the field of opportunity that, some, that God would have put that skill in him that he can now share with the world. So he had never actually thought about that. Uh, so I think there's, with the BAM conversation, there's just tons of opportunity there to encourage people toward missions. So thanks. And that's awesome. It's exactly what we're talking about. BAM is real-life solutions. It's not pie in the sky, something that we study in college and think, oh, maybe that'll work. It's actually working. This is uh, a man, an unemployed man in Bosnia who's now able to process honey and feed his family with the, pr with the sales of this. Uh, and otherwise, he would not have a way to feed his family. So this is real life happening today. And we're working on things like that. So another real-life example is coffee. Anybody coffee drinker? Anybody? Anybody? Ah, so here we go. If you're looking for a place to buy coffee, we've got some uh, places for you. We have uh, started what we call the, uh, the coffee network here in the business as mission for the Foursquare. And we've got growers, we've got processors, we've got distributors and retailers where the whole spectrum of coffee uh, is covered in this group. Um, it's really a great community impact because, as you know, coffee plants need to be harvested and taken care of, and that's not a one-person job. That's a group. And then we, we help those people finding buyers for them so they can uh, process it and distribute it and, and buy it. It's sustainable and environmentally sound again. You're not pouring pollutants into the air. You're really helping the environment and helping communities who are working in that process. The global trade, when coffee is sent from Java to uh, Belize, or uh, from Colombia to America, obviously the trade is helping uh, the, the farmers and the people who are receiving the coffee. As you know, in economics, the trade goes on up, all the way up. The high demand for quality and socially responsible products help us to be different, be different from everybody else because we have quality. We know where the coffee comes from. Same with the honey. When you know where it comes from, you can be sure. Uh, as a beekeeper, I'm often alerted to things that are happening. A lot of the honey that you buy in the market is processed with sucrose and corn syrup. Do not buy, by the way, Chinese honey. It is imported here, and it's a lot of fake honey. Try to buy local if you can, please, if you really want the real honey. Um, just a note there. But this coffee group uh, with Thai and coffee, fantastic way of getting involved. If your church gives coffee to your parishioners, please think about supporting BAM missionaries 
in the field, and we can give you a list of places to where you can brew your coffee. I will tell you, it's probably a little more expensive. But you could also give thousands of dollars to missionaries, or you could support BAM missionaries who are working and bringing you a product that's useful to your congregation and your group. Businesses as well, if you're in a business, please think about that. So these are real-life examples of what's happening today. And I could talk even more uh, about other things that we're doing around the world that, that, are, that are just amazing how God's at work. Uh, we have uh, hus hospitality businesses that are going along. We have uh, IT businesses that are happening. We have just the spectrum in the field, as, as Ali shared, the different kinds of ways. How can you help your church see itself as sent within a BAM community? Visit workplaces. So I was a missions on staff as a missions pastor for a little while, and I, people would be shocked when I'd go into a, uh, somebody's workplace and I'd say, "I'm going to meet so and so for lunch." I didn't. Sometimes I wouldn't meet them for lunch. I'd go pick them up, and I'd go into their reception office. Hey, I'm here to pick up George, and then George would come like, "Oh yeah, let me introduce you to my coworkers in my cubicle or whatever," and people are like, "Oh wow, it's your pastor's coming to visit you." I mean it. It was as if, you know, I was, you know, the Pope coming in. I was like, wow, it's amazing. And, and I'd have, you know, sometimes vice presidents, oh, you're the pastor? Let me introduce you to some people. And just like the chaplains see people, are, they want that spiritual touch, they think, that's coming into the workplace. Commissioning services. Uh, all of us have done things like, you know, oh, a back-to-school drive with backpacks or, you know, let's commission our, our, our missionaries. Anybody ever commissioned new teachers at the beginning of the year or uh, accountants before April 15th? <laughs> Can you, I mean, think needed some commissioning. The workplace in your congregation that you're involved with, they are working in the field in their sphere where God has placed them. Think about commissioning, having a study a business marketplace influence, and then at the end of that, have a commissioning service for those who participated in your small group and say, you are now sent to your marketplace, to your community. Teach the Bible from a marketplace community uh, perspective. Think about the number of ways business and trade, uh, even Proverbs 31 woman, the woman everybody hates, that, that all the women hate. Like she, does, she, she breaks in things, she sells them, and she supports her family, and all the women like, I hate her. But anyway, she's a businesswoman, right? <laughs> Study the marketplace from the perspective in the scriptures that you see. It's all over, all over the place. God, cre cre remember, work was not the curse, Right? The curse was put upon the work after we already began working. Working was what we were made to do. And as we've all heard, if you find something you love to do, you will never work a day in your life, right? When you're working and you're working under what God sent you to do, it's a blessing, and it's a, such a blessing for you. And support BAM missions and missionaries. We all know there are missionaries who, are who need full-time support. There are a lot of missionaries that are working in the marketplace, tent-making and starting businesses. And sometimes I have to teach pastors, you commission them. They are going to the, s to the same place. They might be in Indonesia, and you might have a missionary that's on support in Indonesia. Both of them need support. They need care. They need pastoral care. They need to know that they're thought about. I was on the field for many years in Asia, and I had my church send teams into Asia, and they never let me know they were there. They never visited me. They, uh, I, I found out after the fact. They're like, oh, we were 60 miles from where you were. I'm like, 60 miles? I would have taken and come and taken a train to see you, somebody from my home church. And they're like, oh, well we thought you were busy. <laughs> yeah, I'm also 60,000 miles away. Uh, I would have loved to have seen somebody. I fired my church because of that. And I told my pastor, you failed as a pastor because I'm a missionary. Just because I'm working and you don't have to pay money to me, you, you still need to pastor me. We need to think about that, those who are working on the field. If you know people who are saying, oh, he's got a great job with IBM or, you know, Cisco or in the pharmaceuticals or engineering, 
and they're over there making great money with these incredible salaries. They need to be prayed for. They need to be covered in prayer because they are, they're talking, they're in, the, they're in the pointy edge of that spear, right? So we all need to be thinking about that as part of our work to see ourselves as sent. Um, so I, wanna, I want to encourage you in that as you're thinking about business as mission. Um, the last thing I want to uh, explain real quickly, the HR part, if I can. There is a handout on one of your handouts, I don't know, but it talks about in the United States, on the back of this sheet if you have it, in the United States HR guidelines. I'm an, uh, a human resource professional. I ha I, when I teach about business, mi business marketplace ministry and business as mission, I get pushback in the United States. It's illegal to talk about your faith in the United States. It is not. You have a right according to Title VII of the Civil Rights Act all right. If you're allowed, if you're allowed to talk about your kids' sports, if you're allowed to talk about your favorite politician or your least favorite politician, if you're allowed to talk about your family things, you're allowed to talk about religious activities and your your spiritual faith. Now, how we do it is with gentleness, with wisdom, right? We're we're not meaning to be offensive. We want to be attractive, but you're allowed. You're not. It's not disallowed. I did the in the United States in the times I worked here in the United States, and I had people who were not Christians came to me constantly saying, would you pray for my family? Would you uh, pray for this? Can I ask you questions about I'm struggling with this? Just because they knew I prayed and that I was a Christian and I wasn't afraid to talk about it at work. So think about that. If you're, if you're here in the United States or any workplace, you're allowed to talk about your, your faith, okay? And it's a, it takes a lot of restrictions for them to, to put that down, but you have that uh, allowed. Come on up. Uh, and um, so, Charles, thank you. Um, so we've got about 15, 20 minutes left, and our goal then is to really talk about what you would like to talk about. Our team is available, uh, Ali, Raul, Charles, myself, I think Sue had to go check on the other groups, and she'll be back, but we really want to talk about what you want to talk about. And just to mention uh, two more things, um, uh, the handout that Charles just mentioned, you have one that's just a very, very short, please don't take that as a full uh, summary of HR guidelines for your company, okay, for, your, for where you work. Um, that is just a touch on the topic. Each company does have their own internal guidelines besides generic legal guidelines. So be sensitive, be wise, like Charles said. Uh, do acquaint yourself with the company guidelines, with the uh, employment and the HR department. And so there's a lot there that we're not going to get into. Um, the other handout that you have, I just wanted to mention them again. Uh, one, you have this sheet that's about jobs, okay? So if, if because we are speaking to leaders here, um, we know that you touch a lot of people. If you would not mind uh, having a recruiter's eye towards missions and seeing yourself as a recruiter, not uh, just a person who prays for missions, but as you encounter different professional people that have excellence in their field of expertise, and uh, that person, just the other day I'm at a conference, uh, and a gal, uh, we ended up in a, in a conversation at the table. This was not a missions conference. And this lady um, is, leads discipleship at a significant church and not a four-square church. And she started talking about, we were talking about missions, and, and I mentioned jobs. Um, she immediately said, oh, my goodness, my husband can work from anywhere. He does IT. He, does, he works from a home office. We could actually go. I said, 
You absolutely could go. And all of a sudden, I was recruiting a non-Foursquare family to be a Foursquare missionary. Um, this, that's a great conversation. Uh, she was immediately curious, and she was amazed that, that there's that pathway in the Foursquare family where people can actually go to the field uh, using employment. So please have a recruiter's eye. That's that page, okay? And there's, there's places, there's more information. There's an email address. And then there's also this handout about chaplains and, past and pastors. It's a very, again, just touches on the topic. But I want to encourage and underline what Allie mentioned about marketplace chaplaincy. In my mind, every church planter ought to have a working understanding of, of marketplace chaplaincy. Uh, this is an incredible opportunity uh, for church planners. It can place people in, if you can think of, there are companies that currently pay they will pay, this is employment, this is work, for you to be present at that company once a week and just to be available to employees, to pray with them, to help them with family transitions, divorce issues, funerals, marriages. You're there once a week, and you're getting well paid to do so. So marketplace chaplaincy is really something that we want you to look at, and that's why you got that handout. So that's enough to, of our talking. Um, we want to talk about what you would like to ask. We've got about 15, 20 minutes, probably enough time for, I don't know, eight or ten questions. So please don't be shy, and uh, maybe give your name and where you're from, and uh, please feel free. Thank you. Thank you for asking and, and would love to learn more about what you're doing in terms of development. Um, the incubator is really a simple model and it's really targeted at young people, young leaders uh, in churches or teams. We've had teams as well. Um, most of the uh, young people that have come in are not from the U.S. Uh, and, and I'll mention, and by the way, at the end, it's, it's a typical four-month, uh, six to eight meetings of the cohort. We keep it all online, all virtual. We use Zoom and Google Education Platform. Uh, so it's real simple, real cost effective. And uh, at the end of the process, we have a process whereby they pitch and uh, they help self-select. So you would enjoy this. We could actually, you know, we would have fun having you on one of the calls. Um, and the, the one of the young people then will receive typically is $1,500. So it's a very small investment. But just to give some of the really fun things. So this Foursquare family is pretty big, as you know. So we had a young leader and team on the island of Palau in the Foursquare Church of Palau. So I did know that Palau was in Polynesia, but I couldn't remember where. And if you look at it without you know, Google Maps helping you, you will not find it. That's the size. Uh, probably about a couple hundred thousand population. This team on this island at the Foursquare Church that were part, I mean, as long as you have internet, that's really a, still a restriction, right? Because a lot of countries, uh, the, the internet is spotty. But where there is internet, and he had great internet, um, this team is taking recycled tires, which is a big problem in, on that island, right? You can imagine a small island, tires, what do they do with them? So he's, this team is taking tires, old tires, and turning them into very colorful and creative flower pots. And they sell them and spread them around the city. So they see it. It's been an incredible uh, pathway of engagement with the city. 
uh, people see these flower pots all over the place, and they are able to identify them with young people from the Foursquare Church, and uh, they're being able to generate income as well. So that's just a tiny example, and he was he received the award of the investment, um, I think, two cohorts ago. So it is virtual. It is um, all extremely cost-effective. It would have to be because all of us, you know, we're, we're not – there's no big BAM budget um, uh, from, from Foursquare on this. We're all contributing, and it's, it's just a blast to be able to do so, a privilege to be able to do so. Yeah, I'm sorry, urbanedgestartups.com, and there's an email there. And the young people that run the, the cohort are actually in Brazil. And we have young people in different countries doing different things. And so it's a very global and very collaborative process. Thank you. Thank you for asking. And we would like to talk to you about engaging and talking about business development. Yeah, we can email, get, make sure we have your, by the way, there's a sign-up sheet. Christian again, introducing Christian back there. He will not, he's going to lock the door. He won't let you out unless you give him your email address. By the way, we, we um, do calls every other month. Typically, we will do like a webinar-style call. It's a little more informal than the webinar, than a webinar, and we'll, Grab a topic, we'll grab, we've had very well-known people uh, on these calls in the Christian business world, and we'll have conversations and Q&A and all that on the call, so we'd love to, to connect you with that. Again, we're t I'm talking too much. More questions? How can you find one? That's a good question. So I would say, first of all, be part of the network. Join us on the calls, and then reach, a, reach out with us by email. We do have many business people beyond just the, the leadership team you have here who I think would be very glad and happy to help coach, help guide you in what you're doing and starting up. Uh, there's, it, and really, each person will be unique and individual. Some people will need business uh, plan ideas and help. Other people will need uh, help marketing. Other people will need help pricing. Other people need help. What kind of business do I do? You know, and that's there's lots of, as you know, every business is unique and different. We want to be a resource to help. We want to be able to connect you. Uh, we don't have an official uh, coaching group, but we know people that I think would be willing to step up and help. So ma make sure you're signed up here, and I think we'll be sending an email out about our next call. Is that right, Jonathan? Uh, and so when you get that email, feel free to email back and say, hey, I'd love to talk to somebody about coaching, uh, needing some coaching. All right. Thank you for asking. The next call, we need to, I'll try to throw it up real quick, but uh, two, three Tuesdays from now, uh, no, two Tuesdays from now, we will have a call, and uh, the gentleman that will uh, lead the conversation is in Finland, and he works remotely, and he is really strong on discipleship in the business environment, and that's kind of his strength. So that's what we try to do, is just grab someone, any, you know, different, different ones, different individuals that are really uh, doing a great job and have them share with us their story. So that's what those calls are typically about. Um, I just came back from Thailand, and a, a family there is working. Uh, they created a CrossFit gym. Now, we all know CrossFit's a big cult, right, where, you know, you work out for 700 hours and you throw up and you roll tires and all this kind of <laughs> things. But let me say what CrossFit is, is every CrossFit I've known is a community. People come very tight. He's using this gym in Thailand with Thai people, which are very, are traditionally very difficult to reach and make relationships with. 
he's already got uh, people who are asking about Jesus. He's already had some people baptized and, and joining, uh, becoming part of the kingdom. Thai people, just in having this CrossFit gym open for about eight months. And it's probably the most effective CrossFit gym I've ever seen done in a marketplace ministry. And it's exciting. So things like that, you never know. And this guy was a farmer, all right? He's from South Dakota. Uh, and yet he's doing this, this gym uh, and leading Thai people to the Lord. So. Questions? Yes, sir. Please, your name and where you're from. Excellent. Tomorrow morning, by the way, uh, w usually it's more missionary focused, but at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, we'll be on the balcony uh, by the Delta Marketplace. And um, we're going to really focus on, we're going to have a table that's going to focus on coffee. Uh, we'll probably have a table that will focus on um, beekeeping. And so we hope to kind of get these conversations go a little deeper. And uh, we want to start, we already did some, and we'll continue to do so. So, Jim, we really want to make sure that you're on our next coffee call. And uh, just so you know, the, the coffee and missions is kind of the CAM, coffee as mission. And so, um, anyhow, well, don't pay attention to us. We have a little too much fun. Yeah, it's BAM. We have a little too much fun. Next. No, you're federally allowed uh, by the federal government according to Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. So they'd have to actually prohibit you and make that prohibition public to the whole company of you speaking your faith. So they have that right, but they have to make it very clear. So, And it's unusual for a company that would do that uh, would be really, they got some other things going on too. <laughs> so it'd be very clear though. But, but we would always encourage you to really, uh, especially a person in employment, to befriend the HR department. Really see the HR department as your ally, ally and your, your friend. They are typically, usually, trying to serve the employees of that company in positive ways, even if, even if they are unbelievers. And so that can be a very open conversation as well. But typically, in your private conversations, you are absolutely free uh, to, to converse about your faith. You don't, you don't have to say anything because you are private or public. The company can perform as its duty because in the United States, they have a federal allowance for that. Now, they, you can't compel. You cannot compel. But my company I work for uh, on the stock exchange, the vice president opened company meetings with prayer. Yeah. And, and just said, and it said at the beginning, if you don't feel comfortable, just take a moment of silence. We're going to pray, and then we move on. We didn't say anything more about it. And, and of course, in the U.S., it's, it's one reality, but worldwide, uh, business is being used for church planting at an amazing rate. Uh, in countries that are officially communist or, or whatever they are, a lot of governments will allow uh, Christian praying and, and discipling and, and con the conversation about faith in the company or factory because they see it as a productivity improvement 
element. So they actually see it as a positive in factories for employees. So they're they're going to drink less, so let's let them become a Christian. So it's, 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 it's actually, it's really true. In China, a lot of the church planting happening is happening inside uh, companies and, and factories and warehouses. Please, go ahead. Right. There is a there is a smoky line uh, in supporting a pastor or a church on the field. Uh, for example, in uh, East Africa, I'm teaching entrepreneurship to evangelists because they can't they're not stable enough in their town or village to make a living. So I'm teaching them evangelism so they can do business that will support them as an evangelist. Their church can't support them. Uh, so we would kind of call that bivocational. In that, but we're helping them figure it out. But we're we're always bring it back to the business they're doing is not just to make money so they can go do the thing. The business is also the ministry, and that's the difference in business as a mission. It's also the ministry. Does that kind of answer your question? Fun, fun, fun conversation. Um, I would I would encourage you first of all if we could take the conversation maybe you know later today. Uh, but there are one of the things that we really celebrate is when you understand the biblical approach to work, vocation, business, etc. We're not talking about something that constrains. We're talking about something that brings an understanding, a biblical understanding that brings freedom and liberty. So uh, there are churches that are already doing, for example, coffee shops. And intentionally, sometimes the church won't own it, and that's fine. The church does not need to own the business. The church can own the business, but there are liability issues. So sometimes it's better to, to separate them, create firewalls, which are fine. So there are, there are many complexities and nuances, especially in a more litigious society like the U.S. But uh, I just want to encourage you to see this conversation as one of great freedom and innovation and young people especially. You sit down with young people, college students, etc., and have these conversations. By the way, please do. Please have these conversations with young people in the church because it helps them understand that uh, we're not, they're not in an environment where they're going to have to fit into a real small box in order to serve the Lord. Uh, this conversation is really, really sought after by young people, so it's a great pathway uh, to engage young people. And that wasn't your question. I'm sorry I went off on a tangent. But let's, let's keep talking, okay? Sorry.
I'll, I'll answer that about the obstacles. And, and if anybody has to go, we're, our time is officially over. Please feel free to get up and leave, and we'll continue this informally. And don't forget, there's a 7 a.m. meeting or, or gathering tomorrow morning, if you like. But to, to answer the obstacles, two obstacles occur. One is on the business point of view. The business people get so involved in business, they forget that they're doing ministry. And the other is a ministry point of view where they, they don't get business, they don't understand business, and they're afraid to ask for help, and the business can't be sustainable. Those are the two major Let's just go ahead and pray. No, it's not 1230, but, it, but we're almost there. Why don't we go ahead and pray? And uh, we just want to thank you guys for being here, for your time. We will be here, uh, so feel free to engage further conversation. We'll be here for a little while. Um, tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., we'll be at the Marketplace uh, balcony. Um, and I think Raul should be there at 5, but that's just me. Um, he, he's, you know, I think you need to be there praying, Raul, uh, beginning at about 5. Um, but uh, really, uh, encourage you to, uh, I threw up the time, okay? That's when we'll be. Feel free to contact us. Um, Zoom, I should have put up there our Zoom number. So, but it's really easy to engage this topic, okay? We look forward to further questions and talking and, and being together. And my wife is here, and uh, she's an amazing director in Bammer as well. And Allie, could you pray for us? Could you just pray and bless us as we go into our day? Lord, we just thank you for this time that we've had to gather together today and, and learn from each other and share stories. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the marketplace. God, you have gone before us and you're already there, Lord, and you are just asking for your people to show up and be witnesses to what you're doing. So God, we just pray that you give us innovative, creative ideas, Lord, to share with those around us and to be an influence in the marketplace. And so Jesus, we thank you for the rest of this, com this convention. And God, we just, we thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for God bless you, each and one and everyone. Thank you.